And welcome to another episode of the Riddles in the Dark Digest. We are, uh, after a little bit of a lengthy break, we tend to sort of record these in spurts um, whenever we can manage to find the time to do it. Uh, we're back to uh, for another marathon afternoon <laughs> of recording, uh, followed by hopefully David will sit down and have a uh, not-too-long marathon episode of editing to get all of these ready, plus the Riddles in the Dark uh, episode from this week that's still lying around, yada, yada, yada. Um, but we'll be caught up. <laughs> that's right. Yes. Within a week from now, we will be, uh, we will be caught up and on our new, our new, um, pace of releasing a new episode, uh, and then releasing a backdated, um, digest every other week. You're so, such an optimist, Dave. <laughs> yeah. What can I say? What can I say? I- are you thinking that if you say it out loud, it will become so? Yes, yes. <laughs> Words have power um, uh, in Tolkien. It, in contrast with Game of Thrones, uh, where where people are constantly saying words are wind, <laughs> which seems maybe a little bit more closer to reality. So anyway, I am co-host Dave Kale, and with me is my faithful co-host Trish Lambert, who you've already heard. Trish, how are you today? I can't shut up until until after you introduce me. God forbid. Uh, neither can Corey. So this is just <laughs> like I still haven't nailed down how to do a good. I, I listen to all these other podcasts and I listen to how they do their intros and I'm like, ah oh, man, I got to come up with like an awesome intro, but. Yeah, it's just, you do good. You do good. Thanks. Plus, plus, you've got that great music to start with. So. That's true. Thank you to thank you to uh, John D. Bartolo and the Lonely Mountain Band. It is awesome music. I love it. Yeah, so, um, so uh, as we were explaining, we're going to sit down and do another couple hours of recording and try to knock out two digest episodes. We're going to try to cover the remaining topics um, apart from the most recent one. Um, so that means episodes eight. 11, 12, and then the infamous 13, where we <laughs> posed a question and then had it answered uh, by Peter Jackson two days later on Facebook. <laughs> and also, apparently, people people thought we were snarky and all kinds of whatever uh, on it. So um, uh, so we're, we got a lot of recording and a lot of topics, a lot of questions to discuss, feedback to share. We have um, con- contributions from our analysts again, Mark. Um, we have a surprise for this episode. We have a recording from The Last Alliance, which is kind of fun. Um, and uh, we have some conundrums to go over. We also have a lot of, a lot of like riddles in the dark news. Um, uh, lots of exciting things in the works, right, Trish? Right. Yeah. We, we have yeah. Uh, we have we have some new volunteers from a uh, yeah. from from our call on a previous uh, digest episode. And actually, I want to thank all the people who wrote in and volunteered. Um, and we're happy to continue having people volunteer. I, I'm going to be honest. Um, we we sort of like, we got this inundation of people. And we're like, whoa! We don't know what to even do with all these people yet. See how see how powerful you are, Dave. It took you just one time of saying it, and we got this, you know, tsunami of people. And thanks to everybody, like Dave said. Yes. Yeah. Th- I, I'm. I. We really appreciate your willingness. We're now. What we're trying to do is figure out what to do with all of you. Um, <laughs> I think as time goes on, there will be more opportunities to contribute. Uh, uh, like immediately right now, I I think a lot of you are going to have to sort of basically say like, 
thank you. We're going to put your name down on the list. We're not quite sure where to fit you in yet because it is adding a whole bunch of new people, you know, saves us a certain amount of work but creates new kinds of work. Um, and, uh, and, and so, I know there are going to be people listening to this saying, well, Dave, I mean, why'd you even ask? <laughs> yes. Well, no, no, because I'm, I'm glad to know people are, um, uh, you know, uh, interested. I think, I think the one thing I, that I, one clarification I do want to add is that people with particular skills or willingness to do particular things are, are probably going to be in the highest demand right now. So, for example, we have one gentleman who's working on building us a new interactive grid that we're going to deploy hopefully soon. Uh, his name's Ben. He's been fantastic. Um, so people with programming skills like that, or user interaction, design, web dev type skills like that, are, are, are you know, we will definitely find uses for you. And then people who are willing and experienced with audio editing, like if I could, if I could offload some of the editing burden onto in production, you know, podcast production onto folks, that that. That would be helpful, but we had a number of people who wrote in and said, I'd love to volunteer, but I'm not editing podcasts. <laughs> like, oh, dang. That's the biggest thing probably right now. Yes. Is, you know, yeah, that's that's yeah. the biggest pain point. So um, for those of you who wrote in and said, I'm willing to do, you know, whatever and stuff, we, we're, we're happy to have you, and we will definitely f- – more than likely, there will, as time goes on, there will probably be a place for you. But in the short term, we're we're just sifting through all the the emails that we got and trying to figure out, you know, what's the best way to do things so that we don't just uh, introduce chaos to the process. So, right, and and I do want folks to know that we are we do we are keeping you in mind. Yes, um, you know, we have we have regular conversations. Basically, it's Corey and Nick who is. Gosh, everything to Mythgard, but he basically is the you know web guru and webmaster, and then Dave and I, and you know we kind of toss around ideas and stuff. But you know, I mean, as a marketer, I totally understand. Corey is rightfully you know really care wants to be really careful about not only getting too many people involved, say maybe in writing, but also to make sure you know I mean it's it's the myth it's essentially the Mythgard Institute, and and we want to make sure that that. Uh, we don't get too diluted that we don't, you know, get, get, uh, or go off message or any of that, that kind of stuff. So I mean, all of that kind of takes time because you know, we come up with these great ideas, but then we kind of have to sift through them and say, well, you know, maybe not this one. And so, but we've got you guys in mind. It's yep. just, it takes us a while to kind of come up with what are, what's the right next thing to yes. do. Yep. That's right. So please, uh, if it, you know, if you haven't written in to volunteer yet and you want to, please do go <laughs> at, don't be discouraged. Please do. Especially so. if you want to edit podcasts. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, especially if you want to edit podcasts. We will, we will, we will respond. It may take us a few days to write back, but we will respond, and we are very, very grateful. Uh, and then we will, we have a, we're compiling like a little, you know, di- database of people who've expressed their interest, and we're writing down sort of what sets of skills people say they have, or interests, or how they want to contribute. New ideas. That's one of the big things that I'm asking vol- when people volunteer is like, are there things that you you would like to see like new kinds of content or whatever so I, i'm we're happy to get all of that it's just it, it may take us a little bit of time to get everything together um so um so please be patient with us um uh as we said we're gonna have a new prediction grid up soon uh we're also adding some new analysts um i i haven't finalized it yet but i'm hoping that uh, email from the uh, Lord of the Rings project uh, will be joining us as well. He he said he was interested and wanted to do it, so we're going to try to make that happen. Try to get him on board soon. Right. 
and um, and maybe some other some other we have some other people in mind we haven't approached yet. So lots of exciting things happening. Um, I guess we should get on to actual the actual episode, huh? <laughs> yeah, that's probably not a bad idea. <laughs> so the the temptation here would be to launch immediately into talking about the really exciting news and all that stuff, uh, split and all that you know, new, right. the three films, but. We'll save that for next episode. Right now, we want to focus on uh, Gollum. Um, so uh, this digest, we're going to cover the, the riddles from um, episodes 11 and 12. The, the How will Gollum and the Hobbit compare to his portrayal in The Lord of the Rings? And then, of course, how will the riddle game go down? So let's start with uh, the first one. Uh, and this one, actually, we probably will will go over this one rel- relatively quickly because we feel that it's kind of been answered fairly definitively yeah. by um, um, uh, by uh, Gollum himself. Yeah, by yeah, that's right, by Andy Serkis at Comic Con, where he kind of said that we will essentially be seeing the same Gollum from the Lord of the Rings films in The Hobbit. You know, the kind of schizophrenic Smeagol Gollum, you know, flipping back and forth, talking to himself in a mirror type <laughs> Gollum. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, uh, but to refresh everyone's memory, the um, the question, the riddle was, how will Gollum in the Hobbit film compare to his portrayal in the Lord of the Rings films? So we're not talking the books, but we're talking how will the Go- the Gollum in the upcoming films com- portray uh, compare to his portrayal in the previous films? So A was, he'll be portrayed as more sympathetic, perhaps by showing flashbacks or revealing more of his internal psychology. Um, B is he will be portrayed pretty much the same. C is he will be portrayed as less sympathetic and actually more wicked and threatening. And then uh, D is none of the above. So um, that's our catch-all. We have no clue. Can come up with a good answer. Uh, um, answer. So um, uh, if folks recall when we did this episode, Corey kind of Corey treated us to sort of a nice overview of how the Gollum character was kind of evolved from earlier editions of The Hobbit to later editions of The Hobbit to The Lord of the Rings. Um, and in particular, the, the early edition Gollum was actually a lot more kind of a lot less wicked and less evil and a little more kind of sympathetic. And, you know, he was he was a stickler for the rules and um, he didn't intend to, you know, he he intended to if he won the real game to 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 to, you know, um, maybe harm Bilbo. But he didn't intend to betray him the way he does in the later editions of The Hobbit. And that he actually, you know, when Bilbo wins, he, he sends Bilbo off, shows him the way out, waves goodbye, good luck, and that kind of stuff. And right. so the, the Hobbit, the later edition Hobbit Gollum that we get is actually much, much more wicked than that guy is. And then the evolution sort of, you know, um, becomes even more nuanced into The Lord of the Rings where we, where we get a much more um, uh, uh, sort of complicated picture of his psychology in his history and we get Gandalf explaining uh, um, his back his filling in his background and we get Frodo and Sam kind of experiencing very different sides of him so that's where we really get the very complicated version of him in the Lord of the Rings books and then of course um, Peter Jackson and Andy Serkis have a very particular take on that character in the films so uh, so there's a really kind of in a there or at least I, there was a big open question about how they would handle him here 
in these films because it seems like there'll be a lot of pressure to uh, portray him as he was in the Lord of the Rings um, films. I mean, like with many elements of these these uh, uh, the Hobbit films, there's they're going to be torn between the expectations of the film going audience that maybe isn't as familiar with the books and the expectations of the Tolkien purists such as ourselves who are going to want to see it pretty much the way it was in the book. So um, anyway. Um, Let's uh, let's see. The other thing I want to toss out is we also had a conundrum question where we um, uh, we essentially asked the question. Uh, and if folks remember, conundrum questions are sort of a supplementary question uh, series that we've added to uh, that. Where usually we will be introducing these in the digest episodes, but in this case we introduced it in the actual episode. And it was a yes/no question that we asked: Will Gollum leave the mountain before the end of the first film? Actually, I think we included it in an earlier digest. Yes, Corey and I recorded it and talked about right. it on uh, at right. the end of a Riddles episode, yeah. and then we recorded yeah. included the recording in a previous digest as a bonus. So, anyway, um, and then you and I decided that we wanted a half questions to ask in our of our own. Didn't that's we? So, that's exactly right. And so the conundrum was born. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So uh, I want to start by reading Mark Fisher's contribution, um, and then we have one other contribution that we'll play from The Last Alliance, and then we'll get into uh, – uh, then we'll we'll talk over Trish's take on this and maybe review right. what Andy Serkis said. Okay. Okay. So Mark Fisher says, there's definitely a dilemma here. There will be a lot of audience expectations surrounding Gollum, and I can't really see his couple of scenes in the book fulfilling that. That's especially true as I imagine they'll somehow have to trim the riddle game to make it work cinematically, so they won't really have much time to develop Gollum's character at all. There's one obvious trick they could use to get around this, and that's by bridging forward, uh, bringing forward later parts of his story and adding a few scenes showing him leaving the mountains and setting out in pursuit of Bilbo. That would give them enough space to give him a miniature character arc from the murderous creature we meet at first through to a more pitiable and recognizable version by the end of the journey when he inevitably fails. It would also tie the films together, potentially even explaining how he ended up in the clutches of Sauron, as we see in quick scene in The Fellowship of the Ring. I can't think of a single shred of evidence that they're going to try anything like this, but I like the idea, so I'm going to call it my prediction anyway. In terms of Gollum's character, then, I reckon we're going to start with a thoroughly disreputable C version during the underground scenes, then progress to something more sympathetic and conflicted at some point across the two films. I don't suppose I can really have C then B as an answer, so, carefully avoiding the Mark Fisher answer, I'll pick my first other this time. It's a D. <laughs> Poor Mark. Yeah, I know. <laughs> He's really funny. So, um, and and of course, uh, he he uh, he's also answering the will Gollum leave his cave in the Misty Mountains by the end of the first film. He says, "Well, that's pretty much my entire thesis for my answer to Riddle Twelve, so I'd better say yes." Um, and just to review, uh, we also had another conundrum question that we introduced a while back: uh, Will there be a talking person in the troll scene? And um, uh, Mark says – Mark gives a very reluctant yes. He says, there will presumably be something strange and unforeseeable rather than Bilbo just breaking a twig or something like that that would totally undermine his first attempt at burglary. It might very well not be a talking purse, but I can't think of a better alternative, so I'll give a very reluctant yes. So that's just a final thing. You know, since we've done that question, it's dawned on me that the merchandising benefits to having a talking purse are huge. Yes, 
So yes. that for that reason, there very well may be a talking. There curse. might well that that would that would be the main justification. That would be the one way that they could convince people to let them have a talking purse. Right, right. And for what it's worth, Mark is the only person apart from Golden Star who said yes. Everybody else has right. said no for the talking so purse question, but Golden Star and Mark are are the lone holdouts <laughs> hoping to see a talking purse. I got to tell you, this is a little bit of a side thing, but talking about the merchandising, I was knocking around the Weta site the other day mm-hmm. and they've got all these collectibles, you know, that they sell. And then they also have a section on their site for the collectibles that have already been sold out. In other words, that they're not making any more of. I was blown away by not only what they're making, but what people are paying for these collectibles. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, anybody, I invite anybody to go over and look at the Weta workshop site. You're not, I can believe the stuff that they're it's selling plus what they're getting for it. You know, like miniatures, $399, $500 for like a scene of Isengard or something. You know what I mean? It's just like, wow, golly. So this is big. This is big bucks. I mean, this yep. is business. I completely agree. I completely agree. And, you know, um, uh, a, a talking purse character, that could be a really fun little piece of <laughs> Certainly, Weta could make like a ten thousand dollars statue of it. Oh my god! <laughs> and oh my god! People I mean, out there would buy it. Merchandising would be. Yeah. I mean, they'd have they'd have the gold version of it, and then the, for the really rich people, and then the like plastic version of it for people like me. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, on Mark's answer, you know, the one thing about this is, of course, this is one of those questions that I think. So when they announced. The trilogy and the expansion of the the, the okay. films into three instead of two. We we had a number of people who who messaged us on Twitter and said, "Well, that just blows your whole riddles of the dark game out of the water, doesn't it?" <laughs> and we were like, "No, no, no. This is they're still, you know. I mean, it doesn't really ruin it." And and I actually I do I do generally believe that we've been very careful to select questions that we think um, yeah. are are have bearing on the first film. Uh, and I don't think it really changes a lot of these questions like this, like how will Gollum be portrayed? It has nothing to do with where the how many films they're making. That's true. That said, I do think this conundrum question is complicated by it because I, I'm there's a part of me that thinks that it's entirely possible now that Gollum might you know because we worded it specifically, will Gollum leave his cave in the Misty Mountains by the end of the first film? Right. And I felt strongly the answer would be yes before. Now I'm feeling. Now I feel like eh, I could Maybe do it. Not, in the, no. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I, 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 the reason I felt like that is I, I before felt like there wouldn't really be time to right. reintroduce Gollum as a character and show him leaving the cave and all that in the second film. Now I'm thinking with an extra film, they have plenty of time to do that. So it's right. it's complicated. Right. I'm gonna stand by my yes, but uh, yeah, I just wanted. Throw that out there. I'm going to stand by my yes as well, but I feel the same way. I mean, now it could be actually in the second film. I mean, I can see it. It's more believable that it could be in the second film now. Yes. Yeah. Totally agree. Totally agree. Um, okay. So uh, let's. Um, next up, we're going to play the contribution that was sent to us from the Last Alliance, uh, the uh, University of Alberta Tolkien Society. So I think people really enjoyed. We enjoyed the recording, and we we hope they keep doing that and uh, and keep sending us recordings. I know they here. They I don't. Agree. I don't know how often they meet, and I'm not sure if this was a full meeting of the group or if this was a subgroup. I think this might have been just a subgroup because I know their their Tolkien Society is pretty large. But uh, I think folks will really enjoy it, and uh, they they read a little bit of a passage from the Rules in the Dark, which I hope doesn't get any any of us in trouble because uh, we're going <laughs> to include it. And um, but it's a it's a it's a fun little recording. So. 
Hello everyone, this is The Last Alliance, the University of Alberta Tolkien Society, and we will be discussing the riddles in the dark question 10, 11, 11 rather, <laughs> how will Gollum in The Hobbit compare to his portrayal in The Lord of the Rings? And I just want to mention as an aside, what the club is doing concurrently while we have this discussion is hand-painting mugs for our club to use at book studies. We have smog designs, we have the JRR symbol designs, and it's pretty much fantastic. So just keep that in mind as you're listening to our discussion. Okay, I'm going to read the choices for everyone. Option A, he will be portrayed as more sympathetic, perhaps by showing flashbacks or emphasizing his kinder Smeagol side. B, he'll be pretty much the same. C, he will, be, he will seem less sympathetic and more wicked and threatening, consistent with his long possession of the ring. D, none of the above. All right, open the floor for discussion on this point. Okay. Well, <laughs> that, it's going to be C. More wicked. Yeah. We actually do have a member who is absent who proposed a couple arguments for C, uh, one of which being... There's no dragon, supposedly, until the second film, so we need a villainous presence in this film. So Gollum could serve that purpose. And Gollum has had no no hiatus from the ring. As in The Lord of the Rings, he's been away from the ring for a number of decades. But in The Hobbit, he's had it continuously for hundreds of years, so its hold on him is naturally stronger. I also think having a, a vicious Smeagol will help... Uh, emphasize Bilbo's fear in the in the caves, in the mines, in the tunnels. He's a very vicious creature. I mean, he's he's throttling orcs from behind and eating mm-hmm. them. And threatening to eat Bilbo. And threatening to eat yeah. Bilbo. This is, yeah. uh, it's yeah. very... And his riddles yeah. are really kind of scary. We think about, yeah. like... They are dark. Yeah. And he actually gets tired of the riddle game rather quickly and then he thinks, I want to finish this. I want to eat him now. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think he only goes into the riddle game in the first place just to be cautious. Just because, yeah. Because he's not sure what's going on. Because he doesn't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But I think uh, what we should... So, so something to remember is one of the most important parts of The Hobbit is that uh, uh, Bilbo takes pity on Gollum. And I think mm-hmm. if you're going to portray that on screen, Gollum has to seem pitiable in some way. That's a really good so, point, actually. So it might, that might be, be... That would lean towards mm-hmm. A. Yeah. But to, again, anybody in... Gollum's place would be pitiable just because of the place that they're in. Like, Gollum isn't pitiable because he's Gollum, but Gollum's pitiable because of the situation he's in. So anybody else in that situation, whether they were pitiable or completely evil, would still need sympathy because of that? Well, I can't really remember how it's originally treated in The Hobbit. Um, if it's more of Gollum's character, or if it's yeah. if it's Bilbo's something that's sort of Bilbo's yeah, own... Does key. it say more about Gollum or Bilbo that Bilbo takes pity on Gollum? Yeah. Does they, anyone? Do they have a copy of that chapter? You can take a look at. Sorry. I have a copy. Oh, very good. Let me find it. Oh, Rick. <laughs> oh yeah, here it is. <laughs> Are you gonna read it or enlighten us? Yes, I will. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'll read it. Bilbo almost stopped breathing and went stiff himself. He was desperate. He must get away out of this terrible darkness while he had any strength left. He must fight. He must stab the foul thing, put its eyes out, kill it. It meant to kill him. No, not a fair fight. He was invisible now. Gollum had no sword. Gollum had not actually threatened to kill him, or tried to yet. 
And he was miserable, alone, lost. A sudden understanding, a pity mixed with horror welled up in Bilbo's heart. A glimpse of endless, unmarked days without light or hope of betterment. Hard stone, cold fish sneaking and whispering. All these thoughts passed in a flash of a second. He trembled. And then quite suddenly in another flash, as if lifted by a new strength and resolve, he leaped. So to me, that says a lot more about Bilbo's character and where Bilbo is as a character. Yeah, but how do you get how do you get across on screen how Bilbo is feeling about that without maybe Gollum seeming pathetic or seeming like sympathetic as he does in uh, Lord of the Rings films? Well, uh, one of the things that comes clear to me, having heard that again, is that the moment of compassion is when Bilbo is trying to escape. Later, this is not during the actual conversation or the riddles match, right? Or even afterwards when he yeah. hears Gollum wailing. That's so a really this good is when point. He's trying to escape. So, yeah. So, another thing they could do is if they do the frame narrative, they could have uh, Martin Freeman voicing over as he's telling the story. He could actually even read that passage from the Hobbit verbatim, and I would really like to see that because it does say a lot about Bilbo's character. And so we could be seeing yeah. Martin Freeman's facial expressions during this moment as he's reading those lines about, you know, suddenly a compassion surged within me. And what I like about it is Bilbo's pity is aroused when Bilbo is able to feel what Gollum is feeling. Because, you know, he talks about miserable, alone, and lost, which Bilbo himself is at this moment. So it's, it's true compassion, a suffering with, and entering into Gollum's suffering. And even how it turns, right? He starts fight, stab, kill, put its eyes out. And then there's this turn, you know, it's not a fair fight. He was invisible now. Gollum had no sword, right? It's interesting. You wonder if, if you can make a case again for the Took Baggins thing going on here. That the Took is the kill, stab, but then the Baggins is yeah. kind of coming back and with the compassion. I don't right. Know. One thing there for shooting this, another possibility might be that you can have a moment when you show Bilbo's hands on the sword and scabbard, maybe about to take it out, or maybe mm. he's got it halfway out, mm-hmm. and then you can see his face, and maybe you have the voiceover, the narration, maybe not, and then when he relents, he puts it away again. Yeah, I, I, think I really love mm-hmm. the idea of the frame narrative, like you said. I think, I think it's think very that, attractive. That would be great. But yeah, so... I've got mixed feelings, but that's just me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so should we vote? See? See a consensus? The pity being more on the part of Bilbo than yeah. evoked evil. by Gollum's character. Gollum seeming Sympathetic fierce. character. Yeah. And Gollum himself doesn't have any sympathetic qualities to speak of in the Hobbit, as far as I can tell. What is he going to be... Isn't the question he's going to be more... Wicked than in the Lord of the Rings? Is that in the Lord of the Rings, he is sympathetic. Quite sympathetic, yeah. yeah generally. Yeah. So I think it, it's kind of fair to say that it would be more vicious <laughs> than yeah. yeah. Okay. All right, so the last alliance goes with option C. Thank you very much for listening, and uh, may your beards grow ever longer. Um, so, uh, Trish and I actually didn't listen to it in real time there. We listened to it beforehand and then I, I edited, loved it. I thought yeah, it was hilarious. And I edited in later, but, um, they're, they're very personable. I think the, I wonder, this is one of those questions where I wonder if, um, in light of, um, uh, Andy Serkis's interviews at Comic-Con, if some, some people might go back and would want to change their answers. 
Um, uh, so, uh, yeah, there's a lot of, lot of, um, kind of, uh, hindsight is 2020 going on here when we get these little tidbits, um, before the films even come out. Um, uh, so actually let's, Trish, let's run over all of the predictions that we got and then, okay. um, uh, do we, I no. can't remember. Did we get I'll a prediction you. from you? No, oh, not yeah. yet. You, you do to... me at the, at the end. I mean, I'll, I'll talk, I'll ah, just talk we... a little bit about, I'll give you a summary of what the comments on the site were like, because that'll also then feed into my. Yeah. So we uh, haven't, we haven't gotten yours yet and you get to benefit yet. from the hindsight. Doom, doom, so, doom, doom, um, doom, doom. Well, I'm going to stick with what I originally everybody, said. Everybody but Trish has answered, and um, it looks like what we have is we actually have one case of A. Hannah Harlow from Houghton Mifflin Harcourt uh, said A. Um, she thinks that he will be more – what? wait, what was A again? <laughs> he will be more <laughs> sympathetic. Yes, I thought so. Um, Father Roderick and Corey and myself all said B, that we essentially thought he would basically be identical to what he was in the film. Um, uh, um, Merrick, Golden Star, Lily and Elorio and the Last Alliance all said C, that he would be a little more wicked. And, uh, Mark Fisher and Arwen both said D. Um, and I, we know what Mark thought. Mark picked D because he thought it would be a, a combination of C and B and an evolution. I'm not sure what, what, what Arwen was sort of thinking there. Maybe she's thinking the same sort of thing. You know, um... I think this is interesting because I think Mark's sort of layout, particularly in light of the fact that, um, uh, particularly in light of the fact that we know that there's going to be an extra film, and so there's a potential for more screen time for this character. The idea of a a character arc for him is very interesting. Yeah, I really like that. Actually, it would be great if I mean that that actually does make sense to me. Mark's Mark's idea, I think, fulfills both the the character of Gollum from the book and but it also then you know matches up with the Gollum we see in Lord of the Rings so I mean not to me that's the best solution whether we I don't think we're going to see that but I think it's the best solution <laughs> so yeah so I I think um boy this is complicated I I'm 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 really happy I chose B because <laughs> I still think B is the I still think B is the most the most and likely gee, how, pr- how prescient was Father Roderick wow <laughs> yeah I know yeah brilliant he answered that after he came back from vacation that's right and after comic-con so <laughs> yes in in fairness um I still think there's room for the for Mark's answer and and I think um especially now yeah well I think that I, I'm just going to go out, uh, go out, go ahead and, and state my conviction here that if we do see, if we see something like what Mark describes, where where there's an evolution of the character, where he in earlier in the films he's more the flat, wicked character that we saw in the in the later editions of the Hobbit, and then we see him evolve more toward the more complicated schizophrenic Smeagol, then. Um, then I will, I, you could interpret that as, well, that was just B that's, you know, Mm -hmm. we saw sort of the same thing in the, uh, in the Lord of the Rings films, but I will advocate for a, I will advocate for a Mark Fisher, you know, to, to, I will advocate for us interpreting that as a D and giving, awarding Mark the right answer. But, um, uh, I think that, I think there's room for that, but I suspect ultimately it sounds from what Andy Serkis has said, like it's going to be more in the, me all the way. Yeah. It's going to be more yeah. in the, well, you know, I don't know. I, I think this is going to be one of those questions. It's, we're going to have to convene a committee to decide, you know, after we've well, seen Well, I it. remember him saying, I think it was a Comic-Con interview that I saw where he was talking about, he basically the gist was, uh, 
something like we wanted the audience to see the same character they saw in Lord of the Rings or something like that. In other words, the, the, you know, that they'll be comforted by the fact that Gollum is going to be the same per, you know, same character they saw. So it doesn't even sound like necessarily going to be a character arc. Although I will say this one thing, and I'll probably say this again other times, you know, they're pretty smart about how they're sharing information and you know, darn good. And well, they're still going to include surprises for those of us who are even following as closely as we are. So, you know, that's that leaves a glimmer of hope that maybe there would be actually be a character arc like Marcus talking about. Yeah, and ag- like thinking thinking about Mark's answer again, we have to remind ourselves uh, occasionally. I, it's it's always a temptation to think of the Hobbit as a one long continuous story, and we have to remind ourselves right. the rules of the game here are. First film, how will he be portrayed in the first film? Right, that's right, that's right, that's right. And so, right. Um, right. so, so Mark's, Mark's answer could well be right when you look at his, his character arc over all three films. Right. But, um, but it, it's possible that the only on-screen time we'll get from Gollum in the first film, the film that comes out this December, will be the Riddles in the Dark uh, right. scene. And maybe he'll be wicked there, and then maybe by the third film we'll see the more... It didn't sound like it because Circus talked about the fact that they, you know, filmed the thing for 13 minutes, a 13-minute scene. It was the very mm-hmm. first scene that Martin did and they, they, you know, every time they filmed it, they filmed it from the beginning to the end, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the whole time. So, I mean, it seemed to me like Circus's comments about the character of Gollum was in the context of that, of that scene? 13 minutes. Yeah. yeah. So. yeah. I might like I, I might give Mark Fisher a chance to revise his answer because I like reading through his answer it looks like he he was thinking of it in the context of over the course of three films but right, I think right. it isn't I I think that will be a fun thing to speculate about after the first film comes out after we see yeah. how he's actually portrayed on screen I think it'll be fun to think about what roles he's going to play in the later films in and how will he be portrayed yeah. so yeah. so um okay cool uh, is there any is there any user feedback we really want to well, go over? Well, from the Mythgard site, there was quite a bit of feedback, and I do want to say, by the way, that I really appreciate a lot. We've got been getting really a lot of comments on all of the episodes in the digest, and just keep mm-hmm. it coming, guys, because it's just so much fun to have you guys participate. Um, I didn't really, you know, note a lot of stuff. There was actually quite a bit, but by and large, the group came down with on, on the side of C. I mean, I would say. I can't, there might have been one person or maybe two out of the whole group that was different, but everybody came down with C. And and mainly the main reason that most people gave was because that's the truest to the book. You know, he was – oh, and the fact that, you know, he had been under the mountains for so many hundreds of years. Right. He was still under the thrall of the ring. You know, it hadn't been taken from him yet. He was fat and happy, you know, eating his fish and eating goblins. And so he had plenty of time to be th- thoroughly wicked. Um you know, and that's what people were using as the reason, and I totally get that. So that's what they came down with. And I actually did also say C, and I, I feel honor-bound to stick to it because I was I was typing furiously into the net moot <laughs> um, uh, chat thing to Corey during this episode, you know, with all of my reasons why he would be C. And he said a few of them, but he kind of ignored most of them. But one of the reasons that I said C was because I felt that the movie needed a really black character. I likened it to Dark, Darth Vader, you know. And again, sorry. Who <laughs> the counter. Um, perfect timing, wasn't it? Um, 
I like it at Darth Vader. People love a really black villain, you know, and I was, again, kind of going at it from sort of the marketing, merchandising, movie, commercialism side of it, which is, you know, I thought the the Gollum being really, really, really bad would actually be a more popular character than the one that they saw, that that we saw in Lord of the Rings, you know, and they'd sell more figurines that way. Mm -hmm. So that was where I was coming from. Not, I wasn't even necessarily doing the true to the book (laughs) thing, but since you know since the announcement i see logic from that standpoint as well in what they are doing which is connecting this you know character without question to the you know to the original trilogy by not wavering on his character and like you and Corey both have both said truthfully doing it this way gives him more depth than having him be all wicked you know Corey said it's a flatter you know the the book character is actually a flatter character really and so I can kind of see the logic. But anyway, I said C along with the, most of the commenters, and I'll stick with it just because I feel honor-bound to do so. Good for you. I'm proud of you. <laughs> so I already know I'm wrong. And I just, I, I, well, I, I, I'm, you know, I always, take what the, I always take what the actors say with a grain of salt, as I've said, as I've said before and several people noted on Twitter. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make a T-shirt for you that says that. Because, you know, he can say, like, oh, you know, we're portraying it pretty much the same, but it could be that when we go back and see how it was written and see how the portrayal looks on screen once it's been edited and all that, it could be that the ultimate right. effect is is that maybe we'll all agree, oh, that was that was much closer to the book than the than the oh, previous that's film. True. So That's so, true. I mean, maybe he, said, he could be saying that to basically set the audience up for that expectation, and then that way it won't be as jarring if they do go with right. more wickedness. That's true. Yeah, you're right. Yep. You know, there's a couple things about that. I'm actually that, just saying know? that to be nice to you and, and the, oh, okay. all of the all of the commenters <laughs> who are all going to get it wrong. You're so kind. Yes. You know, you're, you're all going to get it wrong. I don't know if this is the right place to say this or not, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, so, I think Jackson is being incredibly cagey about how he releases stuff to us. And where this has come up for me most recently is in thinking about the, the that whole Took versus this Baggins thing that we did with Bilbo, yes, and that that uh, that you guys as well as the rest of us have come up. You know, have you been using that um, line from the trailer where, where he says, "I'm a Baggins of Bag End," you know, saying that it looks like maybe he's going to be you know portrayed more as a Baggins. The thing about that is, is we don't know what line comes after. You know, Bilbo could say that, and the very next line could be Gandalf saying, "Yes, but you're also a Took, and you have that in your nature." You know what I mean? It's like. Mm-hmm. Jackson is not going to show his whole hand to us. You know, he, he he's going to leave some surprises, even for those of us who are like reading every single word and looking at every single frame. So there's, a, I think he's leaving. I think he's being very cagey in what he leaves out, and I think it's going to be really interesting once we see this film to see, you know, yeah. what what he did what he did to us beforehand. <laughs> yep, yep, I completely agree. Anyway, I didn't know where the good spot to do that was, so I. That's my I think that I think that's entirely reasonable. I still think you guys are all going to be wrong, but yeah, I think so. I mean, I mean, I do actually get the idea of having the Smeagol Gollum combination in terms of when you talk about like sort of continuity of character. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, I do get that. I'm sort of disappointed because I was really kind of hoping I'd see the really bad Gollum, but uh, I this part I won't pick about. There's other parts of the movie that I might have a problem with how he does it, but this one I can get. So, so there, those of you who said that we're snarky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Snarky. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll address that more later. We'll, we'll address do that, that in the later. next episode. Um, 
So, uh, so let's move on to the next uh, the next riddle, which is how will the riddle game be executed? Because this one's this one's really interesting, and I think yeah, I don't really think they've is. settled this yet. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we have some information, you know, it's 13 minutes long and all that, but that still doesn't answer this fundamental question. And this how... again is another example of what I just said, which is it's 13 minutes long, but he never said it was 13 continuous minutes. Right, exactly, movie, and you know what I mean? and also um, we don't know uh, if they won't maybe. Um, film some additional content, or they did maybe film. Well, okay, we we probably know they didn't film any extra content for this, but we don't know what was included in those thirteen minutes. Right. Plus, the thirteen minutes isn't probably is we you know it's not all riddle game necessarily. It's they meet each other, they have right. to have the fight at the end. You know what I mean? It's like so. What part of that thirteen minutes actually is the riddle game? So there's still, I think, some questions. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, riddle game. How are they going to handle the riddles? Uh, remember that our four choices were they will not omit a single riddle a la Bilbo's recount during the council, i.e. the Mark Fisher book answer, um, <laughs> uh, which in my opinion seems highly unlikely at this point given that the film's 13 minutes long. Um uh, you know, they could cram – if they do like rapid-fire riddle game, like a game show version, maybe they could do it since you're you're losing out on all of the internal monologue. But, you yeah. know, reading that chapter alone takes like an hour yeah, or so. That's true. Seems unlikely. But I have a question though. We've talked sure. about there being nine riddles, right? Yes. But that's actually – so that's only four rounds of riddle plus Bilbo's last question. Correct. So – I mean, if they were going to cut down, I mean, I this I just thought of this today. It's like, well, gosh, if they cut too far back, I mean, I don't think two rounds of riddles. Well, maybe it could. Well, but I just seems two rounds of riddles just seems too short. That's been my that's been my concern as well. That um, if you cut out riddles, um, then what you what you might get is is sort of I don't know. Like it, it'll be really it'll be really kind of dumb if you just like each of them asks a riddle and then Bilbo asks what's in his pocket. It's like right, well, right. Was... Well, actually, one of our analysts actually um, makes this point as well. Yeah, that, well, that was a really fun game. <laughs> yeah, um, right. <laughs> and it, and it doesn't give you the notion of time passing. So I'm really yeah. interested to see how yeah. they do this. That's why this I was going to be. My mind was was at one point drawn to well, okay. Let me enumerate the answers. A, they will not admit a single riddle. It will be recounted exactly the way Bilbo is said to have recounted it during the Council of Elrond. Right. Um, B, they'll omit some riddles, but those that they keep or that they maintain will be straight from the books. They won't alter the riddles. They'll cut, but they won't alter. C, reinvented. That means that they will alter some of the riddles or they'll add new ones entirely. So maybe they'll cut some riddles. Maybe there'll still be a short scene, but... They will also be altering the riddles versus B, where they will be doing them word. What, whatever riddles they include will be word for word. D will be completely stripped down. We, if we get any complete riddles at all, it'll maybe be the first one and then Bilbo's question at the end. But mostly, what we'll be getting is montage, a montage of fragments of riddles, kind of similar to the way it's done in the animated Hobbit film. Um, basically they kind of tee it up with an, with a riddle or two, and then they just do a, a montage, um, mm-hmm. or they have like the, the disembodied voice singing the riddles in the background or something weird like that. So, um, those are your four answers. Uh, if you recall, Corey chose, um, C, 
so he thinks that there he 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 really believes that uh, Peter and Fran and Philippa are going to sit down and rewrite the riddles and that they're going to want to change some of them, update them, make them more um, modern. Maybe they just won't be able to resist trying to kind of uh, reinvent the, the scene. My take was B. I think they're just going to cut, um, but I think that they'll leave the riddles alone. Hmm. Mm hmm. So, uh, what do our analysts have to say? What does Mark Fisher have to say? Does yes. Mark Fisher give the book answer? <laughs> um, no, not this time around. <laughs> the poor guy. Uh, he says, I've been wondering about how they'll manage this part of the book for a while. It's a key scene, but it's also not remotely filmic, which he's right about. Yeah. I don't have a clue what they'll do, but my best guess is that they'll split the scene into two fairly substantial chunks. That'll give them time in each part to build the tension, but they can cut away to whatever the dwarves are up to in the middle. Um, uh, and then they can break up an otherwise very long sequence. That also allows them to drop a few of the more anachronistic riddles, which can be assumed to take place while we're watching the dwarves. As for the riddles themselves, I can see the temptation to reinvent them, but I don't think there'd be that much gained from doing that. And there's quite a risk of disapproval over changing such an iconic element of the story. I'm guessing that they'll use the more accessible riddles, perhaps with minor rewording here and there, skip past the more unconventional ones, while leaving open the possibility that, that they were asked while we were away in the scene. I think that puts me in the B camp. I can't see them including every single riddle, but I also don't see them making drastic changes. Um, so I actually, that, that's, that is basically a, almost a word for word kind of what I thought, uh, that essentially what they would do is they would cut down the number of riddles so that they minimize the amount of screen time of this scene, um, both because it, it could be long and it could also be very slow. And some of the, some of the riddles are just like, just perplexing and hard to understand in, in to a modern audience. Um, but that in order to give us the experience of time passing, they would cut away to other right. scenes, maybe the dwarves, and that they would come back right. and make it clear that that these that this scene has advanced. Right. So, um, I actually I completely agree with Mark. I think he's a fantastic and brilliant assessment. <laughs> Must be if he agrees with me. <laughs> um, and just to toss these in, he also gave us uh, included his answers for um, two more of our conundrums. He said, uh, we asked, will the party make it to Lake Town before the end of the film? He says, based on my answer to Riddle 6, I should really say no here. But the more hints we see coming out, the more this looks likely, um, uh, or the more likely this looks. So I'm going to go for a completely self-contradictory yes. <laughs> That's a, 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 yeah, good job, Mark. Play for the win, man. Play for the win. And then question four was... Question four was, will we see Legolas shield surfing in the first film? Good grief. I certainly hope not. Knowing Legolas, he might get up to something spectacular, but I can't imagine we'll see a repeat of something we've already seen. Definitely a no here. So, um, Maybe we should have asked, will we see Toriel shield surfing? Yeah. Well, I, you know I what? In my opinion, at this point, given what we know about the three films, I'm guessing we won't see any shield surfing in the first film because it will no. all be in the second film. Dang it! That's so there's right. one we're definitely getting wrong. Because <laughs> I said yes on that, I think. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So um, this, this time around, we have a contribution from uh, Casual Stroll to Mordor, our first in a while. Thank you, guys. Um, thank you to American Golden Star. Riddles in the dark. 
Yes, another one where we bore you with our incomprehensible of uh, Tolkien's Mickey work. Mouse voices. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to sound ridiculous anyway, so we might as well make funny voices. Okay. Pretend we're... I've been walking, listening to too much talking tunes. <laughs> You're not as good as Rob Paulson. No, I'm not. I'm awful. <laughs> That's why I don't do Rob it. Rob Paulson is from Michigan. I'm proud of that. A lot of voice actors from Michigan. I was really proud when I found out he's like from my area. All right. So how will the riddle game involving Bilbo and Gollum be handled? And this hey. is an interesting tone because this is a this is a very pinnacle point in the movie and in the story. Especially because Lord of the Rings, came, I mean, movie-wise because Lord of the Rings came out. So there's a lot of people who have seen the movie, haven't read the books. But they know that this is the this is a pinnacle point. Sure. Uh, so this is the riddles in the dark. There is a lot of room for you, know, and there's probably some pressure because it's Andy Circus. It's uh, you know, reprising his role, and this is you know everybody knows Gollum. So how will this riddle game be handled? Will it be complete? Will they not omit a single riddle, much like the account told by Bilbo during the Council of Elrond? Will it be partial? They'll omit some riddles, but those that they keep will be straight from the book. C, reinvented. They'll alter some of the riddles or add new ones entirely. D, stripped down. They'll show only a montage of fragments of riddles. Not D. They better not do D. They better not do C either. I would get so mad if they did C. Oh, yeah. If they alter the riddles or make new ones, no. I'm guessing it's probably going to be B because there I, I I've recently read The Hobbit to Baby Hobbit and it's a lot of riddles that they go through. Okay, well, listening to it, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of riddles, but there there's a number. I think there's enough to where you would bore the audience. Yeah, I think that they'll probably pick some of their favorites and keep most of them in. I think. And they'll be straight from the book. They'll be the actual riddles. But I don't think they'll go through the entire thing. Yeah, I think it's going to be B. It's going to be partial. I expect, like, the death one will be in there. Um, oh, I can't remember. Gollum had a lot of dark ones, so his one will be good. But I'm sure the death one will be there. I think I would like to see the egg one. The egg one Well, was all the good. Bilbo ones were kind of food-related. Yeah, the Bilbo <laughs> they were. <laughs> Uh, the sun one was good because, uh, it took Gollum a long time, but I don't know if that'll, if that's something you can convey without overtones. I mean, you can't really say, you can't be like, I don't remember the sun. So I get, oh, it's the sun. I can't. Yeah, really? <laughs> so, uh. Yeah, how are you going to do his inner conflict there? Yeah. It's just <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, what's in my pocket obviously has to be. Oh, there. duh. If it doesn't end on that, they did it wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I think that that'll definitely be there. But yeah, I'm guessing it's going to be B partial. I'm guessing we'll see like, we'll probably see like four, three or four or five. Back and forth. So, yeah. yeah. Something like that. Enough to make it seem a little like bit Like it was long. a game, like it was a, something that was actually happening and not just like I asked two questions and then I won. Yeah. I mean, the, the reason I think one of the reasons that Tolkien, other than he loved words and obviously that he made so many is because it doesn't make sense for Bilbo to run out of riddles like two into it and be like, crap, I only know. I've True. Only learned he one did the pocket riddle. one because he ran out of riddles. I only learned one <laughs> riddle in my, my entire, entire life. life. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's true. Because he he did the what's in my pocket, which isn't technically a riddle, only because he didn't have anything else to tell him. A says that three is the standard for number for performances. Uh, see, yeah, there's probably there's there's got to be rules. So there you have it. There's their take. It's good to hear from them again. I think we haven't heard heard from them in a, at least a couple of digests. But uh, there seems to be very little controversy there. Uh, they both agree right. on B. And in fact, looking at all of our analysts, everybody chose B except for Corey, Hannah, and Lily and Elorio. And I'm going to be honest with you. I don't understand what Lily and Elorio put because they picked E, and I don't know what that means, because I don't <laughs> and see And they didn't e explain option. it, right? <laughs> yes, I'm going to have to follow up with them and ask what the heck they mean by that. They're pulling a Father Roderick. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah, well, let's I, see. Uh, I, I don't like... understand. I don't, I don't know what they're doing there. We, I guess they just didn't like our answers or something. So, um, uh, so anyway, um, we have... Six Bs, one A, one C, and one very mysterious E. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it's time to unveil your answer, Trish. What do you do? Well, what do you think? I, or do you want to? Or do you want to go through? Yeah, let's talk about what the commenters. Okay, said let's first. hear what the commenters said then. Um, so I, I, Michael basically brought up what we've. He was the first commenter, so I want to give him kudos for that since he brought this up way before you know any of us talked about it. But he brought up the you know the fact that Andy Circus had mentioned in a scene that the, they shot it in 13 minutes. Um, so you know the fact that we have to have a couple minutes of them meeting and deciding on the rules of the game, and then with Bilbo following them out, you know the riddle portion's not going to be very long really. And so you know we've already talked about that. Uh, Kate Neville. My fellow Mythgard student, um, she she actually and she's actually in theater. So I this is her answer is detailed. You know, doesn't surprise me. She so she said, "Here's a guess." Bilbo wakes up after being dropped by Dory, discovers that his sword glimmers, and notices ring by the light of his sword. Pockets the ring, wanders down the tunnel, meets Gollum, and the riddle game is agreed upon. And the, the first riddle is asked. Cut to Gandalf and dwarves fighting their way out of the back door, escaping down the mountain, and Gandalf saying, "Where's Bilbo?" Cut back to Bilbo and Gollum in the middle of the game with. Bilbo saying something like, oh, I thought that was I thought that Daisy one would stump you. Then we get a few more riddles, including the fish one ending with what's in my pocket and the escape of Bilbo. So she's basically put more detail to what Mark talked about, you know, which is two chunks with a cutaway to the dwarves in the middle. Um, But Michael Lucero says, I don't see them cutting back and forth between the two scenes. He thinks that because, you know, as you guys discussed, it would take away from the dramatic tension of the moment. However, if they do, Kate, then that's uh, a real genius way to work in the reference to the Daisy Riddle without actually having them have to do it on screen. (laughs) (laughs) Um, San Diego Dave says his answer is B. He agrees with um, with. uh, uh, riddles in the dark, Dave, that the riddles in the book are short enough that they don't really need to be altered. Um, as for the more difficult riddles, the, you know, because of language and their composition and whatnot, those are the likely ones to get cut. That said, he thinks that they will definitely cut to Gandalf and the dwarves once or twice for two reasons. One, it will help keep the riddle, uh, riddle scene from getting too long and boring. Two, on film, it simply doesn't work to leave all 13 characters off screen for 15 minutes or more with no idea where they are, what they're doing. And then suddenly we see them outside the mountain saying, oh, yeah, we escaped. That was very exciting. You should have seen it. <laughs> hmm. um, Harry, Harry, yeah, so I, I agree. You know, I mean, I do think that it makes sense. Doesn't the Great Goblin get killed during this their escape? Isn't yeah, I they, think so. so uh, Gandalf yeah, kills I mean, him. 
Yeah, right. And, and, that's, and in fact, that's why the, the that's why the, the that's why the goblins are so upset. Um, upset, right? And right. and that's why they're they're um, I believe that's why they're they're so once the dwarves and Gandalf and Bilbo escape, that's why they're in such a hurry to get out of there because they know as soon as the sun comes down, right. the goblins are going to come after them and will chase them long a long distance right. in order to avenge their fallen leader. So, and you're right. And in the book, after um when they've escaped, you know, when Bilbo is listening to them talking after he's come, he's escaped himself and, and meeting back up with them, they kind of recount what happened. And the dwarf says something to Gandalf, like, yeah, you, you did your big bright light thing and so, you know, such and such. So I'm, you know, I was, as soon as I, he, I, I read that, I, you know, pictured, of course, we're going to see the staff do its, you know, bridge of Casa doom thing, you know, inside the, uh, the mountains with the goblins. So, yeah, I mean, that's, a fairly big scene, so I would think we were going to see that. I mean, you'd have to do it as a cutaway. You couldn't really do it in serial form. You know, do the riddle game and then do the the dwarves. Mm-hmm. And off. Anyway, yeah, so. I, I presume that they're going to... So, in the book, in the book, they... Huh. How do they do that in the book? Do you remember? Well, I, I, I can't remember the scene inside. I'd have to go back and check it out, which I could easily but leave I, my kill, I guess. I but think I, they I think they tell the story to Bilbo. I think that's how that's portrayed. Cause, do, do, well, do, do, I do, well, I do know that Bilbo overhears them talking about their escape when he's invisible and, you know, going to sneak past Balin, you know, yeah. to, to rejoin them. What I'm trying to remember is how the situation of the Great Goblin being killed, because they don't talk about that uh, when Go- when Bilbo's overhearing them. That might actually happen before. Oh, break. yeah, that's right. Bilbo Bilbo doesn't isn't separated from the party until after. after yeah. Right. So they're captured. They're taken down to the Great Goblin. Gandalf shows up, kills him, saves them. They run, and it's while they're running and escaping that Bilbo right, gets that Bilbo lost. gets separated. Right, right, right. Yep. Very interesting. I mean, this is guys going to be a really interesting part of the film. So what we now, don't what we don't get to see on screen is how they escape, and then what right. they do um, while Bilbo's gone. So right, uh, that, that's what in the book yeah. they they tell it after the fact. Yeah, right. that's what Bilbo's over. Presumably, so that's that seems yeah. like the kind of thing that Peter Jackson will probably want to show on screen turn into an action scene yeah absolutely i i that's that's what i was thinking i mean when i read even when i read it in the book recounting i could picture that as a scene in the movie right um harry J. I have to read his because it's so funny he says going with b also we need to be a little honest here Gollum is going to kill and eat bilbo either way we know it the audience knows it it won't take nine riddles to get us there it's like the overused scene where a guy has X bullets in his gun, and the shot that finally kills the bad guy is always the last one. <laughs> if you give that guy nine bullets, by the end of the by the end, the tension is gone, and you've bored the audience to tears with filler. I think a couple by either interspliced with flashbacks and tension building silences and grumbles will be plenty. <laughs> huh. Huh. That's a that's a. I mean, that is an interesting point. Um, that that the the riddle game maybe. Maybe is maybe is going to seem really slow on screen to a film audience that has already been introduced to the character of Gollum and is already sort of filling right. in its um, uh, filling in sort of uh, this background of like you know well I know we already know he's murderous we already know that he would kill um, uh, Bilbo if he had the chance and so like let's get to it we don't need to hear a bunch of riddles and goofiness that's a that's right. a very good point right. a very very right. good point right. Now, Andrea came up with a thought that I recall my having, you know, 
madly typed into the netmoot box too during this episode, which is that the passing of time could happen as a as a voiceover from Bilbo telling the story to Frodo in the story and scene um, that gives a bit more in the mind of it, it, it gives us a bit more into the mind of Bilbo how Bilbo was feeling and thinking. Um, another way it could be done was in voiceovers of thoughts from the characters. I don't know. As Andrea says, I'm not, she doesn't like either one of those ideas, and I agree. And I for sure don't think that the one about seeing into the minds of both characters. I could see, you know, if we were looking to get time to pass the voiceover thing from Bilbo, but actually, this cutaway idea I think is probably more logical for them to do. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Because um, otherwise, agree. I mean, you get just the voiceover and there's no action. Uh, Brent Sprinkle said um, he brought up the thing about the 13 minutes again. Um, he he has to say as much as he doesn't want to that less is more. Uh, the whole montage idea is completely corny, and which is what was that was D, wasn't it? And yes. would ruin the suspense of the scene. So it leaves me no choice but to think that we will get only like three or four riddles. And this is when I was reading Brent's thing. That's when it, I dawned on me. Wait a minute, you know, nine riddles. That's only four rounds, you know, back and forth. Right. Um, which ones? Uh, he says. Which ones? Well, I think they would deci- they decide that on which ones will show what kind of character Bilbo and Gollum are the most. In other words, what are most you know, character def- defining? Mm-hmm. Um, he says. I think that PJ and company uh, tried to the best of their ability to pay homage to Tolkien's original words and thoughts, and I think that this is such an iconic scene uh, that they would want to keep. <laughs> keep talking the original wording of the riddles and this actually came up quite a bit folks and and i think mark said it too you know this this is an iconic scene i mean hopefully they won't do a lot to change this particular scene i mean hopefully they're going to sail as close to you know Tolkien as possible on this um i don't see a reason for changing it you know other than maybe taking some of the riddles out i mean to, to change it drastically from what's in the book, to me, would just be egotistical. Yeah, me, well, it's never stopped him before. I know that's the, th- and I'm going to get into that in the next episode because uh, you know this whole issue of can we trust Jackson? I think yeah. is a that so should probably be a conundrum. Well, it's not a matter of can we trust him, but it's a matter of of uh, you know at the end of the day, the highest priority here is make a good film, and right. and, and, right. and 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 the judgment that he is. You know, like I, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sort of, I, on the one hand, I'm going to say that I don't trust him to do things exactly the way they are in the book, but on the other hand, I'm gonna defend him and say that it do- doesn't make him a bad person or an egomaniac. His high, his highest priority is to to try and make a good film, and and that he really, you know, the judgment he has to trust on what will make a good film is his and that of his his teammates and coworkers and fellow writers and directors and producers and all that, and so. You know, he has to make those decisions about what he thinks is going to result in in what will make a good film. And if that means he has to alter things or change things or rewrite riddles, um, then then he'll do that. And um, maybe some of us will say, well, that's terrible. You've you've, you know, played fast and loose with this beloved book and destroyed it and all that. You you horrible, horrible person. But, uh, (laughs) you know, I mean, I don't think he I don't think he. I generally don't believe he's doing things arbitrarily. I I, I don't. No, think... I don't think so either. I mean, I I am going to get to this until Lord detail in the episode. Right. I, I, my big question is where do you draw the line? Right. And I think it could be very very easy for PJ and company to overstep and not realize they're doing it. In other words, not to overstep. You know, because they're power mad. 
but because they've already made so many changes that it just, this one more won't hurt or this, you know, it's, it's just, that's what worries me, but I'll get into that a little bit more in, in the next episode. Yeah. I, I, um, I, I mean, I think, I think it, I think it would be naive to, to, to deny that there isn't probably some ego going, I mean, if you're, if you're a big name producer or director like Peter Jackson is, you know, those kinds of people like artists all have like a tiny bit of narcissism in them because you, sure. you sort of have this attitude of I'm going to make something and I think everybody else wants to see it. You know, you, you have to be at least a little bit of a narcissist that way. And and I think and I think that I think that um, I well, think well, that, let me clarify. I don't think Jackson would change it. I mean, I don't think he is egotistical in that sense. Right. Well, you know, I, don't, I don't think he's like a what's his name, the guy that did the uh, Mars Orson Welles. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't think he is that way, and that's why I say. I mean, I can't see him changing this this scene. I can see him changing other scenes, and we know he has changed other scenes to fit the story that they're now putting together. But I just don't see that with this. I mean, I think this is. Right. Well, I can see him. Basic. I can see him changing it. When it's when it's obvious to him that it doesn't work on screen the way it is in the thing. right, you know, I mean, like I, I think the one thing the one thing we can for sure trust him to do is to not slavishly take what's in the book, put right. it on screen, just serve it, yeah, yeah, serve it up to us and say, boy, that's right. boy, it, it really sound looks and sounds awful and doesn't work at all, but that's right. way in the right. book. That's and that's way in the book. Oh my I don't, god, I, I don't think, think he's equally critical of yeah. him if I, I don't think he's I don't think he I don't no. think he's just changing it just because he can or wants no. to like we're not no, going to see I him don't, I don't we're not going to see him start like we're not going to see him publish a, a new ver you know a, a no. novelized version of the film that he thinks is an improved right. version of the book but I think we will see him I think there's going to be sort of two kinds of changes that he's going to make here change one will be just the kind of the practical what works on screen um, uh, you know and if that means we have to alter story dialogue characters then then we'll do it and then the second thing is is attempting to kind of continue the trajectory Tolkien himself is on of incorporating the the, the more childish elements of, of the Hobbit into the more mature and filled and, and mm-hmm. epic mm-hmm. world of the Lord of the Rings so I think he will I think he'll do that, and I don't think either of those things make him a bad person. That doesn't mean he'll succeed. It could be I'm sure there will be things he'll do that I'm going to hate, but I don't. I I I I I attribute to him the best of intentions, and I believe he's really making his best effort. So well, I'm going to agree with you in this episode. I mean, I may contradict myself in the next episode because oh, when really? it comes to the tombs of the Nazgul, I'm I'm a little hot under the collar on this one. But oh well, we'll yeah. wait. We'll wait yeah, and talk well. about that. <laughs> And then there's some other things too, you know, some of the things that we brought up in, in, in episode that we brought, we talked about in episode 13. And again, that's the next, next digest we're going to be doing. Um, I just want to respond to the, some of that stuff because I do think there's, there's some stuff he could be doing that wouldn't cost a lot of extra money. Doesn't have to, you know, they're not super major parts of the plot that he could certainly be doing that he doesn't appear to be doing. So, um, mm-hmm. but I do agree with you. Here's, here's the bottom line for me on, in terms of Jackson. I don't think there's anybody else who could make these movies. I mean, I think that about The Lord of the Rings, and I think that about The Hobbit. So all of my conjecture and criticism, if I make it, or concern, is all within that context of I don't think there is anybody else who could make it, make these movies and do them justice. So I, I do want to be clear and go on record in saying that. <laughs> so everything else I say should be, you know, be just remember that that's my stand as I'm, you know, I'm, 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 if I'm criticizing, I'm criticizing somebody who I think is the only person who could really do these on film. Yeah. So I don't know if he's the only person that could do them, but but I think he's a very fine person to do them. 
Yeah, well, you're right. I mean, I'm not that involved in the rest of them. I mean, I up until I cuz I, I remember for years whenever there would be a, you know, rumor of a live action film, I would just cringe at the idea cuz I right. just couldn't imagine, you know, anybody doing it. So I was really actually pleasantly surprised with, yeah. you know, with yeah, Lord and of the Rings. And, and, and I'm not letting him off the hook. Changes. No, uh, exactly. I hate the other films. Um you know, not that bad. I don't hate them, hate them, but <laughs> there are parts of them that I detest. Yeah. I detest. Yeah. I detest the Faramir portrayal. I think right. that was a, right. an arbitrary and completely right. didn't, didn't work at all, and seemed to be no reason for it that I right. could that I could imagine. And there's other parts of it that I, or you know, wimping, like wimping Aragorn out like he did. Yeah, I didn't like. I didn't like the way he kind of de sort of de epicized Aragorn and made him conflicted and kind of more right. more sort of normal um i didn't like the aragorn falling over the cliff scene like no me neither uh and and that's why in general i suspect i'm probably going to agree with you about the nazgul stuff like it the (laughs) the parts the parts of the other films that i generally liked the least were the parts where they were innovating the most Um, yeah right and so anyway but oh now save it for the next digest yeah 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 yeah. um So, okay. Um, oh, I didn't say my – did I say my – Yeah, you need to officially declare your prediction. So I am – you know, I am conforming just boringly here and saying B. I mean I do think B is the most logical answer to me. That I, I, And that's kind of what I was leading up to and I just said that thing about I don't see him changing. I think he will keep some of the riddles and some mm-hmm. of the ones that are more anachronistic or longer or whatever he mm-hmm. won't have on screen or, or he won't have at all. But um, I think that he'll stick pretty – I think he'll sp- stick pretty close to the book on this one. Yes. Yep. 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 I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, as as you well know. So <laughs> – uh, and you're in good company. The only people who disagree with you are Corey, which which – would seem to be, um, uh, which, which uh, under other circumstances would, 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 would sometimes. yeah, which would, uh, under other circumstances would give me doubt. But since, since we've heard from Andy Serkis, I, I think Corey's just wrong. <laughs> uh, and then Hannah and then, um, and Lily then and Elorial, I don't know what the heck they were doing. <laughs> now so, we have a conundrum, don't we? Yeah. Let's add our conundrum. Our conundrum, will the riddle game be one interrupted scene? My answer, no. As is mine. I don't believe that it will be an uninterrupted scene for, and I think Mark Fisher said it the best as well as Kate, you know, they, yeah. they, they I think drew a good picture of how we think the film will. Yep. That's the, it's the best way to, that's the best way to remove riddles and, and at the same time, communicate time passing in my right. opinion, cutting and keep, away. And keep it going, keep the energy going. Cause yes. I think one long 13 minute thing is going to be. Yeah, that would kill it. If we were, if we were going back to, if we, if we're switching back and forth between, um, kind of the more high energy action elements of the dwarves running fighting goblins and trying to escape and then sort of a building tension in the riddle game. Right. And it gets really quiet yeah. when they come back to the cave, right? And it's Yep. I think that know. could actually work extremely well. I don't think they'll yes. cut I don't think they'll cut back and forth back and forth back and forth. No. I think they'll cut away maybe once or twice. Once. Yeah. Twice at the most. Yeah. Now, see, this is another one of, of my examples of what I said earlier about Jackson and Circus and everybody being cagey. You know, so Circus mm-hmm. said, we did the thing in 13 minutes. So if you take that at face value, you could walk away with an assumption, oh, the riddles in the dark is going to be 13 minutes long. You know, the scene. Um, he never said it was going to be 13 continuous minutes on screen. So that's one of the things, you know, I think when we're listening to 
Jackson. And I mean, he, he, these guys are smart cookies in the way that they're communicating. Uh, so, I mean, I, I like it. I like it. I mean, I'm looking forward to actually there being surprises. I mean, how horrible would it be for me to go see this movie and basically know everything from all the production videos <laughs> and yeah. interviews? So. I, I hope there'll be surprises. Yeah, I hope, I'm looking I hope forward to being surprised. I hope, there are surpri- I hope they're not surprises in the sense of um, – um, I hope they're not surprises in the sense of me getting getting my predictions wrong because I want all of those to be right because <laughs> I want to win. But I was going to say I hope they're they're not surprises. The kind of surprises that are going to get me thrown out of the theater. Oh yeah, well that too. <laughs> but at, at this point, I I suspect by the time this film rolls around, I suspect I'm going to care more about being right than I am about <laughs> this detail or that detail. Like I, I I what will probably cause me to be so more upset. Taking, not the grid and you're taking it with you right yes what will make me more upset than anything will be um will be being wrong being like oh crap <laughs> so that's it okay I so fly to la and come see this with you Dave. uh, uh it's gonna be i'm sure it's gonna be a heck of a time <laughs> so um i do want to before we before we uh wrap up this episode i do just want to one more time, just say, uh, just to clarify, I don't hate the other films. <laughs> since I since I said that jokingly earlier, I said I hate those films. I don't actually hate them. Um, I I I've sort of I. It's impossible for me to watch them and just enjoy them without fixating on the things that they changed that 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 I didn't like. Um, and uh, as as um, as my fiance will attest to you. And and it's kind of you know I'm not saying they're bad, but unfortunately there's a lot of the changes they made were to things where I'm very much you know the the thing that they changed or eliminated was something I really really enjoyed. Um, and nuance uh, in the story. Yes, and so and so you know it's not that it's a bad film. It just so happens that they 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 just made choices that that I don't like. Uh, that don't appeal to me, and therefore I have trouble just keeping my mouth shut and sitting back and enjoying the films as opposed to watching it and thinking how I would have done it differently. But I don't think they're bad films, nor do I hate them. And I and I admire Peter Jackson, and I think he he uh, I think he really does care about the story um, and does his his best to bring a faithful version vision to screen. So. I just want to and toss that out there. That's that's a, that's I'm not a hater. That's a cliffhanger because we're going to be talking actually more on this. Topic yeah. So yeah, next episode. next episode when we start talking about the Nazgul stuff, I'll be like, oh god, Peter Jackson. And the Comic Con stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All so right. Stay tuned, listeners. That's right. <laughs> um, so I want to thank uh, all of our. Um, uh, I want to thank all of our our everybody that's participated, our analysts. Um, that includes Mark Fisher of the Encyclopedia of Arda. Um, you can find him on the web, of course. That includes uh, Arwen Kester of Middle Earth News. Um, that's You can find her at MiddleEarthNews.com and also Middle Earth News Twitter account. Father Roderick of SQPN, my partner on the Secrets of the Hobbit podcast. Our Twitter is at Hobbit Podcast, and they ha- he also has a Facebook page, and you also can go to thehobbit.sqpn.com. American Golden Star of A Casual Stroll to Mordor, the largest Lord of the Rings online um, uh, site and podcast on the web. Um, you can find them at uh, casualstrolltomordor.com. Hannah Harlow of Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, Lily and Eloriel of the Warriors of the Westfold podcast, which is over at Middle Earth Network Radio and airs on Friday nights. 
and then the last alliance the university of alberta tolkien society so thank you to all of them thank you of course to Corey olson our uh, fearless leader and um, and all of our commenters on the yes Midgard yes Keep thank you up. most of all to our listeners and our commenters so it, uh, we're getting better and better feedback from you guys uh yeah. and more and more interesting comments so keep it coming because that's what makes this fun and makes it uh uh, keeps the the conversation going. So, yeah, and uh, finally, thank you to you, Trish, for joining me. So, I look well, forward to you. I look forward to seeing you at the next episode in about three minutes. <laughs> in about three minutes. <laughs> yep. All right. Uh, why don't you take us away? All right. Thanks for listening, and Godspeed.